This is Dan Vondrak, and welcome to an ultimate episode of Power of X-Men. Welcome, Welcome to, to Power, Power of X-Men, of X-Men, X-Men the, greatest the greatest comic book comic podcast in all of the multiverse. multiverse. During the whole making of X-Men and the casting of X-Men, I was there in the production office. Remember, you don't need to scream for help when Banshees are range. Was it supposed to be Jean or was it supposed to be Madeline? I drew that image and a deliberate hint. What makes Marvel Legends so special? Just the partnership with Marvel, you know, continuing to work with Jesse Falcon. This is your special guest host, Mr. Sinister. (laughs) (laughs) You you would never put Storm in a ponytail. That would be weird. That would be weird. (laughs) But giving it to Jean kind of made her the girl next door that everybody could talk to. When I met Stan, he was very gracious and, and, and very kind. This is the Power of X-Men podcast. I am your host, Dayspring. Hope you survive the experience. So, when did you realize you weren't doing X-Men Legends 3? Um, so, it's really interesting. So, uh, I was just, prior to this interview, I was like, oh, I wonder what some of the dates were on those docs. It ends up, so we had made those X-Men 3 concepts that I had talked about back in January of the same year we were building the game. So this was, you know, the January before the September that it got released, we were already thinking like, Hey, what can we do next? And um, Activision and Marvel had both come back to us saying like, Hey, we think um, we're worried about the X-Men losing steam. Like you guys have done such a good job. And I had said, well, we are throwing around this other idea called Marvel supervillains. Um, and the idea with Marvel supervillains is we would let like bring in all the cast, of all these different Marvel supervillains together and let the player be a supervillain. Like, you know, and we could even, the whole idea there was create your, you'd be in control of the city and you'd slowly take the city over and you'd have your own layer. And that sounds so awesome. Well, yeah. I mean, for, I think for us, we've been doing the hero thing for so long. We're like, if we just want to flip, flip the script and do something totally different, what if we truly just let you play the bad guy and everyone always wants to be a villain. And we felt like, maybe people would be more accepting of the create your own villain. Like we had done, con- we had done some early concept and kind of pre-production work where I was like, Hey, here's how you would look when you started. And then you like kind of like fable, you'd slowly get to be more evil looking or we thought people like, do they like playing with the Cape or do they like playing with horns on their head or whatever it is. So that was kind of like some ideas we had thrown out to them. And that of course was like, Marvel was actually pretty interested in that. Activision from their end was like, oh, villains, I don't know, we can't really sell you playing the villains. And that's when it was like, well, what if we let you play the heroes? What if it was like, and and we'll call it Marvel Legends. And that suddenly kind of just blew everybody's minds. Like, well, wait a minute, which heroes? Like, would you just bring in like, I think at the time someone said like, I remember when the Fantastic Four movies came out, they're like, would just be Fantastic Four? And I was like, no, 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 no. I mean, I'm saying everybody. What if we just brought in at least the Avengers, right? At least the Avengers um, bring those guys in. And that just kind of opened the floodgates. And before we knew it, we were just started like sending these documents to Marvel that included every character we could think of. And we're like, well, they're not saying no. So let's just keep adding characters and adding characters. And it's really interesting. Back then, Marvel had really sh- kind of spread their licenses out. They had... Yeah. I think it was Sony had Spider-Man, um, Fox had X-Men, somebody else was this. And 
Yeah, they I feel like Universal had Hulk. If I remember there you correctly. go. Perfect. Right. Perfect. And so even stranger, they had not just broken up the licenses by the characters, but by the type of media they were in. So it was like, well, no, the X-Men movies are Fox, but the X-Men cartoon can be somebody else. And then the whatever else, the, you know, the, the TV show can be this or that. And so video games are considered their own thing. So we got a contract written that was like, okay, because other video game companies had, again, different Marvel licenses. So I was like, well, I don't think we could do, let's say, whatever, Fantastic Four, because somebody else is already doing that. Well, we got this contract written that was like, for a Marvel action RPG, you guys can use any characters you want from the Marvel Universe. Wow. Upon approval of Marvel. And it was kind of like, it was a very specific, weirdly worded contract. I'm not a lawyer. I never saw the thing, but that's kind of like the high level was like, well, if it's an action RPG, that's different from fighting games. And that's different from this. And that's different from a first person shooter or whatever it was, or a third person action game in a sense, because it's got the RPG part to it. So, yep, that's a totally new license. We'll consider that a brand new contract. You know, boom, you guys can have it. And I was just kind of like, what? So, yeah, that's where it all started. And we just started flooding them with a ton of skins and a ton of like, what I actually decided was let's stop asking for their permission for a character based on like a name and like a word doc just with a character in it. Um, I want to make the skin, even if it's a fake concept of like get them in their pose, get them doing a power in the look. I said, get it in the game concept is so it looks like it's already in the game with a power. I said, don't make it art- artistly, make it look like it physically is in the game. And we'll start sending them over saying, Hey, we want to do this character, that character, this character, Ghost Rider, whatever else it is. And that I think got the approvals done way quicker because they could just see it in the yeah. game. And suddenly it was like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Add that person, add that person. It was, um, man, the floodgates were open. And you guys, the characters, their skins had a glow up for Ultimate Alliance. You guys yeah. were, it was less blocky and yes. it was more 3D. What was, again, and again, the game came out within like a year because I actually was at Marvel at the time. I was working at Marvel when Ultimate Alliance came out. So it was such a, by the way, everyone loved the game as you probably <laughs> know. But what, how did you, how were you able to do such a glow up for those models? Yeah, that was like the tech guys did an, a fantastic job. Like the rendering guys, the programmers, um, everyone knew like, hey, the, the engine's showing its age. What can we do? Can we increase the resolution of the textures? Um, you know, can find a way to like for it to be more economic with like the way the rendering works. And so they did all that. So basically it's like, without getting too technical, it's like a dude could draw the same outfit on this size or four times that right like two by two so it's like suddenly there was just a ton more space which means they could get way more detail and like it was a godsend for the artist because it was like hey everything you do is going to look way better and then you know it was also a part of that next gen system at the time and it was like yeah, it again was the programmers gen. were like hey there's this cool lighting stuff we can do so all of them are going to pop a little bit more they're all going to shine a little bit more there'd be some kind of like blurring and kind of glowy blooming stuff and we were just like yeah that's awesome let's do it and so um that power of the next gen systems help, but then just being familiar with the tech, it was our third game. And um, as you said, same schedule, 12 months this time, you know, um, and I think we had just gotten so good at doing it. It was a machine. People were cranking out content like crazy and they weren't looking back on it. I don't quite understand how we got all the characters we got in. I really (laughs) don't. I'm not even sure how Marvel, I think we flooded Marvel 
they didn't even know how to say no to half the stuff we were doing. It was just like, I'm not even sure if they knew everyone that we put in the game. Um, so yeah, it's, it was pretty awesome. I remember the campaign for that game once it started launching. You guys had a website and you were slowly revealing yeah. characters, you know, like Namor and then Gene, of course. How was, I mean, that, did you know how big the game was going to be, especially knowing that the first two X-Men Legends were received so well? Um, yeah, we. There, it's, it's really interesting. At first, there are some people, I remember people coming to my office at first going, this is a mistake. This is a big mistake. Like, really? um, how can we possibly do justice? You know, we had just been focusing on X-Men and there's so much of a story to tell there. How can we possibly do this? I think we should only call this the Avengers. We should only call this the Avengers. And it was like, well, you know, I, I don't know. I guess, again, there was this naive feeling where we were like, hey, we can do this. We can figure out a way to like wrap it all. In. And I think, again, what helped is, Rob G giving us a ton of information then Bob just doing what he does with writing. And we were just reading a ton of the different stories. And we had pretty early on, we said, well, wait, who is the best bad guy, right? We've already done the apocalypse thing. We've done Magneto and doom just came out really quick. I'm not a huge fantastic four guy, but I've always liked Dr. Doom. Um, oh yeah. He's such a great so, character. Yeah. So that once it is amazing what it does, once the story starts to come together, and we just had these brief descriptions of each of the five acts. And, that, and again, my love for those kind of like alternate universes, I was like, oh man, I want Doom to get all the power and almost create this, you know, right at the end, create this in a sense, alternate, like a world where you just go, oh my God, he's changed everything. And it just, it's so big. There's such high, huge stakes to that, like universe wide stakes to, to him gaining that power. And suddenly everyone's kind of like, oh yeah, maybe this can work. I mean, it's weird to like think about the Marvel, the MCU now. Yeah. And the fact that, yeah, we had those 140 characters in there. It's, it's kind of well, insane. You guys, what I'm, what I'm hearing is you understood the value of that synergy of the characters and everything. And now finally the movies are doing that and everyone loves it, but you guys were pioneering, pioneering that because, Oh my God. Like that's why people love the first ultimate Alliance so much was because you're in the Shi'ar, then you're finding Galactus and then you're, you know, in th with Thor. And it was just so great what you guys did. Um, <clears throat> I, I would totally admit that we just didn't, I don't know. We didn't realize at the time, I think that it was going to work as well as it did. We were like, like I said, there's a really big responsibility. We were like, man, someone's going to be a huge Thor fan. Are we doing everything right for Thor? And, um, you know, and out of everything that we did, I guess I was just, I was most happy that it, it had a synergy of terms of like, I felt like the characters all, they worked together because they kind of had to, because Nick Fury kind of had to bring them together. And even yeah. the masters of evil, I love that, at the end doom's the one that screws over everybody anyways and it was like because yeah. we talked about that for a while we're like listen evil guys don't work together that's not it doesn't make <laughs> any sense they all have to have their own personal motivations and so that's why it was so important we're like listen loki's really what does loki want loki wants you know asgard so it's got to be about him taking asgard as part of the plan but ultimately doom is the kind of puppeteer everybody is has no idea and he's going to try everyone so um 
Yeah, it was, it was really, really cool. It was really impressive. And again, all the, all the tons of effort by that to the team, tons of, tons of credit to Bob Love and Rob G and all those guys for, for helping us pull that story together. Asgard was so well rendered in the game. I think that is probably my favorite level from the entire game. It was just so much fun. And when you were in that hall and like Sue Storm was there and you can talk to her, it was just so good. I mean, the, the level of detail and richness that you put in there, like it was just, it, it, I just, I'm still shocked by it. Like it's still, we haven't gotten a game like that since. Yeah. And I mean, thank you. First of all, I think that's awesome. And I, and I think it was that mantra we had where if we just made it a skin, it wasn't going to be as good. It's like, if we're going to have a character do our best to tell a little bit of their backstory or have an objective that at least involves like a famous item of theirs, something that like, and and luckily again, the team was such huge fans. We'd have people come in and be like, well, you can't have this character unless you at least talk about this we're like oh yeah cool thanks you know we missed that so um it was just super important for us to say like again pique somebody's interest if they had never even i was just about to say that absolutely you're you're peaking the interest in the same way you did with the x-men games and how they did in the animated series and i'm literally i'm just thinking right now like why weren't you guys in charge of like a larger marvel universe (laughs) cartoon oh god that would have been awesome that would have been cool do, does Marvel own the name Ultimate Alliance? Or do, you know, I don't know if I'm saying like the name, but or like the brand Ultimate Alliance. Is that why uh, you can't re-release like X-Men Legends or Ultimate Alliance? You know, that's a great question. I know, I think that's part, I think really part of it was a licensing deal um, hmm. where it only lasted so long. So I wouldn't, I'm almost positive that it is Marvel that ultimately owns that name. And it's really, that name in itself is a different, a totally different story. Um, we had internally been calling it Marvel Legends and we had just assumed it was going to, you know, based on the Legends name, the X-Men Legends name, that it was going to be called Marvel Legends that came out. And we kept saying like, I don't know, we like this name. And, and were you uh, aware of the Marvel Legends figures? No, no idea. <clears throat> and so Marvel had come back and said, no, we don't really like that. And I, and I honestly don't know if it was because the figures are already out um, mm-hmm. or not, but they were like, no, let's try something new. And it's, I mean, I've got a list of names that they had tried. Marvel presents convergence of power. Marvel's <laughs> the, it was like Marvel's the end of evil. Marvel's alliance of the ages. There was one called Marvel's power platoon. And it was like all these different names. And it's Thank really Thank you funny. for video, vetoing <laughs> all those. Well, what was interesting is that a bunch of the names had the name alliance in it, right? Um and then a bunch of them had the name Ultimate. One was called Ultimate Marvel Heroes. And the other was like Legendary Alliance or something like that. And at the time, Dark Alliance, Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance was an action RPG that was kind of well-known. And we were like, oh man, we probably shouldn't have the word Alliance in it. And then also at the same time, uh, Ultimate Spider-Man had just come out, which is a really good game. We're like, well, we don't know if we should have their name Ultimate in it. <laughs> and then, you know, at the end of the day, Ultimate Alliance is the name of the game. And it was like, I mean, people still joke about that to this day. That it was like the two names that we were like, I'm not sure those should either of those should be in there. So um turned out good though. It's a, it's a lovely name now. It's a great name. And obviously it has survived and endured many, many years. I, I want to ask, I, I want to get into Spider-Man and Captain America, but before we get there, you mentioned Nick Fury bringing everyone together. Nick Fury was a character that Patrick had mentioned that he had wanted in X-Men Legends 1 but he was told no by Marvel. 
did you use any of the ideas that Patrick originally thought of? Like, was there like a production sheet of like, this is how Nick Fury was going to play a role in X-Men Legends? And were you able to source from that for Ultimate Lines, or did you just start from the ground up? Um, we really started from the ground up with Nick. Um, and in fact, like we knew, obviously I was on the team. I knew the plans for Nick. Um, it's funny. And they had planned the same, you know, white skin Nick Fury that we used. Mm-hmm. We actually went to Marvel because we were a fan of the Ultimates book, you know, like with, with, and they, we knew that they had penned Sam Jackson after him. You know, they yeah. had said, hey, this is basically Sam. So, the only way Marvel would let us do that version of Nick Fury was if we could get Sam Jackson to voice him. Yeah. Um, and okay. so we were like, Oh, cool. Yeah. Like, listen, we got Patrick Stewart last time for, um, for professor X. Let's see if we can get Sam Jackson to do um, Nick Fury. And the, as I understood it, the cost was just like crazy. They were oh. like, no, there's no way like we can possibly budget for that kind of cost. And his availability is going to be tighter. Cause again, I'll tell you, Patrick Stewart, the guy was like willing to like do a ton of voiceover sessions for what we needed. And the concern was, Hey, maybe, you know, Sam's busy guy. Maybe he wouldn't be as, um, uh, as accessible as we needed to him as like to, to, to get the, you know, emergency VO sessions or whatever. So ultimately we're like, okay, well, we won't go with that kind of that version of Nick Fury. Um, and we want the more traditional to uh, Nick Fury. So you have, Captain America, Spider-Man, those were going to always be in this game. What was it like building those characters and those power sets, which, by the way, are totally different from the X-Men? I mean, Captain America literally has a shield, no psionic powers. He has a shield. Spider-Man has like the web shooters. Thor, I guess Thor and like Storm sort of have similar power sets, but he has a hammer. What was it? An Elektra. Electra, like who was such a great character. And I know we had the Jennifer Garner movie at the time, but it's, what was it like building those characters? Um, it was a fun challenge. I mean, people were legitimately excited, but it was, I mean, like we talked about, we said, okay, well, Spider-Man, he's got to swing somehow. And everyone's like, well, that's impossible. We're like this weird kind of angled isometric view camera. Like, how does that even work? And we just, if we'd brainstorm and someone would, you know, keep trying to figure out like, wait, what if we just made him like look like he was swinging and the rope could just attach off out of nowhere. Like it doesn't really matter where you see him. So some of them came easy and quick, like the web bullets, you know, you know, like everyone was like, okay, perfect. And then, and we love the idea of like tapping the button faster. It's just more visceral for the player to like tap it and fire the web bullets. But then you look through almost every Spider-Man comic. He's got someone web to a wall. We're like, well, that's going to be tough to do. But again, let's web him. Let's do it so that way. It's just some invisible attach point up there and then web them into a ball like that. Um, so he came easier. Captain America, all the all the credits go to a programmer, Aaron Sanfilippo. He made that Captain America shield work. The whole hold it, maneuver it, bounce it back and forth. Like I, I thought that was one of the coolest. I actually loved him the best because you could just chuck that shield and let it bounce around and keep beating people up and it would just naturally come back to you. It was like such a quick, clear way to clear the room. Um, and a funny thing about cats in America was, and we, we talk about those, you know, the high end movies, we had done a bunch of play tests as, you know, games like midway through production and people would come back and we'd ask players, Hey, what'd you think of these different characters? And man, cats in America was always rated. They just go like, 
it wasn't just gameplay. It was like, what did you think of the player's gameplay? And what did you think of this character's personality? And every single time, Captain America was on the bottom when it came to personality. Oh. And then I know when it's it's way before the Marvel Universe, yep. he was cool, you know, Steve Rogers. And um, then suddenly we got the Blur movie in. The Blur movie, the, the opening movie where Captain America is total badass, right? He like yeah. takes that shield and smashes and cuts the, the, the Ultron head off. Um, and suddenly the play test after that, oh, Captain America, he's way up towards the top. He's one of the top two or three just based on that movie alone. Like literally we had not really changed much gameplay wise or any kind of like new dialogue. But it is amazing what how that just set it in your mind that oh hey Captain America is kind of a badass dude like he's willing to take a shield and hit somebody's head off like that so um making him work was a ton of fun and like you said I think that was some of the once we started to get those guys and everyone's like well wait a minute we can really make these guys different like X Men the X Men games are great I think yeah. the powers tended to be a bit more you know similar or you know homogenous kind of like they you can, but then once it came to Marvel Ultimate Alliance just kind of everything blew up. It was yeah. suddenly like, well, wait a minute, we can make Spider-Man swing. We can make, you know, like Captain America throw a shield. This is, you know, and Ghost Rider can grab his chains and whip and slam somebody up oh, and down. So they just got great. really inventive with what they could do. And um, yeah, we were in a groove, that's for sure. I I love Ultimate Alliance. I, I have nothing but like fond memories because of that, because I could play with characters and experience their power sets that I normally wouldn't have. Like I never really gravitated towards a character like Ghost Rider, for example, or even like Mr. Fantastic. But like I could play SM and I can enjoy the gameplay experience. And that was a venue for me to really love this character. And again, the more where I'm talking to you, it's the more I realize that like you guys had your ear to the ground on 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 making these characters more mainstream and even like Captain America, you know, who was Captain America before the movies? You know, you, you know what I mean? Like he does, he did not have that popularity and you guys were able to capture that in those sequences and in the game. My next question is going to be a fun question. You have the entire Marvel universe at your fingertips. You can Marvel saying yes to basically everything. In fact, you're even getting ahead of it. You're sending skins, everything to them. How do you go about selecting the characters? Uh, man, that was so tough. This was because it covered so much of people's childhoods. Like there are some characters that are just really attached. I mean, Outside the X-Men, you know, I was a huge Spider-Man fan. I was a huge Hulk fan, um, you know, way back in the, the late 70s, early 80s when that, you know, that live action was on. So um, those guys were kind of easy to initially pick, uh, you know, the, the big guys. After that, it was it was amazing. Like, I, Blade, like, come on, like, you know, some people didn't didn't even know who blade was. And I was like, Oh yeah, I kind of know who blade is. And we'd look into it and it was like, it was a big vote. Everybody on the team would throw out their suggestions. We have this huge list of everyone that we could possibly do. Um, and I said, Marvel, Marvel, you know, we got a list from Marvel as well. We'd always get lists from Marvel for their possible suggestions, but you know, they were suggesting all the mainstream guys. Um, and it wasn't like we were sitting there going, okay, you know, moon Knight or whatever it was like, that was just something that people were like, is there anything not represented? Luke Cage wanted to make sure to get, you know, enough diversity in there. It was like, and it's like, honestly, it's like a sweater, like the old analogy where like you start to like pull a string and it just unravels. 
you're reading a comic book and you think it's about, you know, the Avengers, but then someone else gets pulled in here and you're like, wait, what's that guy? That guy seems cool. Um, yeah. It was, it was hard. It was hard to say no. I mean, that's why everyone just kept cranking. I mean, again, look back at that roster of the, and I love the fact that we got that menu set up where like, you could just like go oh, through that whole roster. I love that menu so much. <clears throat> it was like, I don't know. And especially like Dr. Strange. If I mentioned Dr. Strange nowadays, everyone's like, Oh yeah, cool. He's great. But then He's no awesome one movie. knew. No one knew. Nobody knew. Right. And then there were like people like, whether it was Bob or Rob or other people on the team were like, dude, this guy's powerful. How can yeah. we not have Dr. Strange in the game? Um, and I was like, yeah, I've heard of him. You know, again, me with not as much knowledge, I was like, Oh yeah, sure. Let's look into it. We spent more time reading comic books back then. I just, I couldn't believe it. It was just like day and night. Like you, you came home, you just read comics, read comics. It was fun. It's like an awesome part of the job. I feel like this entire interview is just going to be me being like, but wait, this was actually really my favorite part of the game, but <laughs> the sanctum sanctorum. Yeah. Oh my God. I know, dude. I know. I was so pumped. It was like, we had made the decision again, back in X-Men Legends 2, where I was like, man, you know, we use the X-Mansion at Legends 1, which is cool, but there's so much history. Let's just like have every act take place in a different location. There's just too much to tell. And then when you bring it to the Marvel universe, you're like, well, what does that mean? And it's like all these amazing places. And yeah, Sanctum Sanctorium and the whole Eye of Agamotto and all that stuff. Oh man, the, the effects, Jeremy, the effects dude, he loved making Dr. Strange's powers. He was like, oh man, look, I spent all this time and I figured out a way to get the icons and this, this eye symbol in there. It was just and then, you know, turning Dr. Strange, I think it turned people into crates or whatever it was. And so yes, um, that was the best part of playing yes. with him. And I think Wanda did, did Wanda do that too. And yeah, we did Legends something like that with Wanda with the reality, like the hex bolts or whatever they were. Yeah. Wait, wait, by the way, what did you think of WandaVision? Oh, I loved it. So, okay. I'll be honest. I, uh, the first, I understood what they were going with, with the whole black and white thing. I was so pumped for the series. I was like, oh, when is this going to come out? I can tell what they're going to do. Like we all could, they're going to go through the ages. After the second episode, I was like, man, they're going to go somewhere else with this, right? Like, I just felt like the first episode or two could have gotten a little more weird or something, mm -hmm. but I, I was I was okay with it. I am so happy I stuck in there because, man, by that third and fourth episode, suddenly just took off, and I was so disappointed when it ended. I was like, oh, it's over. Are you kidding me? I could not. They did a great job. They did an awesome, awesome job with that. So you know where this question is going to go next. Why Wanda, who's both an X-Man and an Avenger, yep. why didn't she make the cut? Man, again, it was a matter of like... Sorry, I'm sorry I have to ask these questions. No, that's totally... I loved Scarlet Witch. I loved the House of M. Um, that was, could have been... House of M could have been very influential if we would have done a, an Ultimate Alliance 2. Um and that's part of where my head was going, where I was like, oh, I know I kind of want to do something with her next. It, it was a matter of like, we've seen her. We need new. We need fresh. Who I else can we get in there? And, and, that's and Dr. Strange is that power set. Totally, totally. 100%. And that's really where, I mean, it's tough, man. You, can you imagine trying to make decisions like that? It's just like, no, as soon as you I couldn't at all. I'm so glad I'm not you in the hot seat right now. <laughs> because like, I... I get it, you know, and it's tough. And at the end of the day, there's only so much time to, yeah. to be able to create this game. And there's also so much space exactly. in the game. I'm sure if you could, you would have put the entire Marvel universe in that game. 
But with that, with that, how do you go? How did you go about balancing the teams? Obviously, someone like the Fantastic Four, fortuitously, you have four characters, so boom, they're done. But with the Avengers and the X Men, how did you? And and then also bringing in like the Marvel Knights characters, like Daredevil and Blade and Electra. How did you go about balancing all of those different iterations and teams? Yeah, I mean, you you did a great job breaking it down. That's really where we started. We said, listen, we know we almost broke them down in the groups first. And then we had, you know, a few individuals where it's like we kind of thought of like Hulk is like in Ghost Riders a little bit like kind of individuals yeah. don't really necessarily fit teams. So we wanted to just make sure, hey, representing you did it. The Marvel Knights, Fantastic Four, the X-Men, <clears throat> the Avengers, make sure those are all represented and then just fill in the spots where it made sense to us. We're like, we were like, Hey, these are favorites to us. It wasn't, man, it was tough. It wasn't easy at all. And we just, that's where some of the harder decisions came about. Like again, with, with Scarlet, even though she was an X-Men and she was an Avenger, it was like, well, we kind of already represented those groups pretty well with who we've got. So let's go to other places. Um, wasn't easy. Uh, I, and I don't know their aunt, whatever answer I give you is not going to be good for anybody that left the character out, but that's kind of how we did it. We said, listen, minimum of four from each. Um, and then yeah. just kind of start filling in from there. Was there a character that you were personally advocating to have playable, but just for whatever reason you couldn't make it playable? You know, the only person that we had to consider that I thought would have been really cool to try something different was, I know it's going to sound strange, but Ant-Man. As yeah. I know we had Hank Pym in there ultimately as an NPC, but I kept saying like, I thought, man, with the whole shrinking thing, I was like, man, couldn't we do something where like he shrinks and then grows and like does something really cool with that. But the team just kept going back saying, anytime he shrinks, it's going to be so small on screen. The camera's already pulled back. It's like, you're just going to be, you know, controlling a little ring. And I was like, but is there some kind of neat about that? But you know, <laughs> so um, that was the only other one that I had ever kind of brought up where I was like, Hey, can we get this guy in? And we just ultimately decided against doing it. Um, and then I kind of had a thing for Moon Knight because I was like, I felt a little bit like he was Marvel's Batman in some ways. Oh, yeah. Um, and I was like, I didn't think we were going to get Moon Knight in. And honestly, you know, the only reason we got Moon Knight in is because we were told we could have Hulk. It was approved. Then we were told, and we had planned this whole story around, like, you meet Bruce Banner early in the game. And um, we were going to have like a some kind of objective happen with Bruce. I think it was at the Omega base and he was going to turn into the Hulk right there with like, you know, this gamma ray experimentation thing. Um, and so, so that would unlock Hulk, but then Hulk was taken out at the last minute. Marvel said, you can't have Hulk in the game. And I was like, Oh, and that wasn't even last minute, more like midway through production. I was like, Oh, well, cool. Cool. I guess we got another slot that opened up. And then, so that's where Moon Knight came in. Um, where I was like, great, let's get Moon Knight in at this point, you know, cool character. Uh, Again, most people have no idea who Moon Knight is. Let's use it. And then suddenly Marvel came back and said, you can use Hulk again. And we were like, oh, okay. And I and everyone was skeptical about this. And I had even sent an email out saying, everyone's like, are you sure? I said, guys, I've gotten the guarantee. Look, it says from Marvel. Directly an email from Marvel said 100% approved. We put him in and dude, in like three weeks before the game release, they made us take Hulk out. And then he was only available, I think, later in like an Xbox DLC. Um, yeah. And it was like. Because I do remember playing yeah. with him. I, I forgot that he wasn't initially 
playable. I think he came out. Yeah, he was a DLC. Yeah, content. and that was just kind of one of those really weird things. Like we never understood. I don't know what was going on. I think it had something to do with the movie. I think in 2008, the, yeah. I think the movie was coming out. So it was a few years, you know, from the release. But it had something to do with that. Um, so no, other than that, honestly, I felt like we got all the characters. The big ones were all in. There was no other character where I thought to myself, oh man, we just didn't get a chance to get him, him well, or her in. You, what I love that you guys did, and I don't think I've seen this in any of the later games, you, the character skins, we got four, you yeah. actually used other characters for it. Like we got Sharon Ventura as a skin to Miss Marvel. Like what? That was insane. Oh, uh, I was so pumped that we could do that. I was just like, I think we got Beta Ray Bill or whatever. Um, yeah, you got Beta Ray Bill. Yeah. You got Arachne, yeah. Yeah. who I played as Arachne. I mean, Arachne was my character, oh, and cool. in that skin, it was, it was incredible, and it just made. It, first of all, that was such a great, like, love letter to the fans because we knew, yeah, because like, yeah, if you're gonna do an alternate skin for Spider Woman, do Arachne. If you if you if you have Sharon Ventura, I mean, excuse me, if you have Miss Marvel, do Sharon Ventura. Do binary. You did binary for her. You I, know, a hundred percent. Like it was like, well, I know Iron Man isn't War Machine. I totally get that, <laughs> but you know what? It's like, I think he's cool. What do you also want me to say? <laughs> so let's just do it. I was so pumped. And we did have a discussion with Marvel about that. And they said, do you think people are going to be confused? These are the same characters. And I was like, no, listen, trust me. I said, I think people will get it. And I said, worst case scenario, if there's some confusion, it's still going to add to their Marvel lore. Like you have to think of this as like, that's what a lot of what we talked about with Marvel was we are trying to expand your brand to as many people as we can. And you guys have this incredible history, decades old, let us do this. Oh, I'm, that's really, I thank you for saying that. That's really cool. I love that you love that. Cause there was some question about like, are we going to somehow make it seem like we don't know what we're doing when someone goes, well, you know, dude, war machine isn't Tony Stark or, you know, um, it, and I was like, I, so there was some concern about that, but ultimately I loved it. Cause it was like, yeah, and everyone has, it just tells these histories of these characters. It's so cool. So I wish we could have gotten more skins in. Um, I wish we just could have kept making them. That would have been awesome. It was, it was four skins and you can power them up and it was the best part of the game. I mean, the game was so great. I mean, again, I'm like, everything was so great, Bob. But that in particular, again, was just so much fun because you go from having one character, it, it, you have three other characters part of that. And like you got Beta Ray Bill, you got War Machine, you got Sharon Ventura, you got Arachne. I'm trying to remember some of the other ones off the top of my head. But these are characters that never would have made it into a game otherwise and you guys set the bar for the later sequels of ultimate alliance you know two and three and you're like wait where are these awesome skins that are supposed to be other characters and i don't want to bash on any 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 creators or anything because i understand how difficult that is but that was a bar that was set that's never been reached since well, that's, that's awesome to hear you say that. And it was, I just, it's like, I kept going back to the idea that like, guys, if you love this character, if you love Miss Marvel and you just want to experience everything about that character, let's give them these different costumes. And then I love the idea that, and that was a bit controversial. Like, well, Hey, if you have certain powers on certain skins, is that going to make some more valuable than the others? And I, trust me. I thought about it. It was like, Oh, if someone really likes, 
the way, you know, whatever, um, Captain America looks in his World War II costume, but they don't like his powers. Is that going to be a problem? I said, listen, let's just make them passive abilities. It won't be anything that's too overpowered, but it's just fun. And it just kind of yeah. speaks to it. Although the only thing I was bummed that we never got in that I originally, like the, one of the first things I wrote in the design document was like, I wish our different skins could sometimes have different real honest to God powers. Because in my example, in the document was War Machine, actually. I said, you know, when I was a kid, I had a toy with war machine he had some really cool launcher on his shoulder mm-hmm. and but then when we switched that skin i don't have a power that launches that launcher i said could wouldn't it be cool if we could create certain skins with um actual powers and it was just became like kind of like a logistical nightmare where it was like dude you know i mean again every time we do that we'd have to have another power is that going to be a problem how would it work so ultimately it went by the wayside but um i just wanted to do everything i could to make those different costumes me meaningful in the game is that technology achievable? Was it achievable back then? And is it achievable now to have like a different skin with a different power set? Yeah. Because oh, yeah. I just assumed was... back then it was, I was fine with it. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, of course I noticed things that like, Oh, that's not really her power, but I just yeah. assumed limitations of tech at time. It was time. And you know, like there's no real tech that was stopping it. We could have made it happen. It was just, for the number of characters you had plus the number of costumes and skins we had like if you just go well let's add one for every skin something go you know like yeah. blows up into like what it is so um that's all it was just more of a matter of like just we're limited with time is here's another question i have for when you're selecting characters do you go in thinking i we can only do like 20 characters or is a mindset as many as we can fit during production. And I mean, playable characters, excuse me. Is it, was there ever, a, a, I always thought like, oh, they just don't have enough space to do 40 characters. Is that the case? Or is it just really a time thing? Like eventually you do have to stop and meet your production deadlines. Yeah, it is. Memory is not that big of an issue. It's definitely yeah. a time thing. And we definitely go in saying like, hey, here's the number we think we can get done. We try our best to schedule it out. We do kind of like, well, how long does it take someone to make a skin and how long does it take someone to animate and all this other stuff? So we definitely try to schedule it out. And I mean, every time we did it, we always end up sneaking more characters in. You know, we planned for a certain amount and because the team was passionate enough about it, we'd always sneak a few more in than we thought we could get in. Um, It's just, it's time. It is because again, and because keep in mind, it's like you can make a character, but then like Bob, the, the writer, he's like, well, I want to go through and make sure there's enough special conversations that only happen if you have this character. So he was always trying to make sure. Again, so this is another how- great detail, by the way. It was so Thank great. You. Thank you. Yeah, that was that was, you know, that's all Bob. Where he was just like, oh, man, if you talk to this person with this person, we've got to have something special. So we created this whole they were called hero conversations that would get you know unlocked. And he just said it's tough. So for every character we added it was a whole nother, it was just powers. It was skins. It was, um, you know, those hero conversations. So yeah, it was, it was just a matter of like time. That's really what it comes down to. And the replayability with those hero conversations, like you would go back and be like, well, what would they say if I wasn't that character? Like if I'm approaching Sue as Mr. Fantastic, what if I wasn't, you know, Mr. Fantastic? What if I was, you know, human torch or Wolverine? And, and sometimes you did get surprises where like, there was a special hero conversation between two characters you didn't think would have it and they did yeah and that was just bob kept adding them it's like we would have people come in and go hey i talked to so-and-so with so-and-so and and you didn't think about this and we were like oh shit 
Okay. <laughs> and Bob would crank it. I don't know how he got as much stuff that he's done, but there are definitely sometimes weird ones. I think there's one where I forget who Thor's talking to, but I've seen it on the internet where Thor's talking to someone like his and he even says something about, do you know Thor or something like that? Anyways, it doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense, but um, we tried our best to catch it. Just so many different combinations. It was, it was tough to catch them all. So you're, you're balancing the team. I mean, listen, I, I always thought you can have more X-Men, you know, I'm a crazy X-Men fan, but objectively you did do a great job balancing the team. The other thing you did really well was balancing the story. And again, we had Mephisto, we had Galactus, we had Doom, we had Doctor Strange, we had the Avengers, we had the X-Men. How did you guys go about drafting that story? And did it change at all during production? Uh, Yeah, so it's again, um, we wrote down the big groups, right? We said, okay, who are the main groups? Who are the main villains? I remember like that was kind of like a big chart we had. And then after that, it was like, what have been the biggest stories? What's the most meaningful story these guys have been a part of? Like what really helped define these groups or these characters? And that was kind of like this big list. So it was like, once we got the groups, that was just easier to kind of go great. And we just have different comic book storylines. And before we decided anything, we wanted to all kind of make sure we were well read in those areas. Right. So like we kind of threw them out there and we just said, Hey, some of the main creative guys like Bob, myself, Rob, and we'd go, let's go back, read these storylines. And what stands out to you is just a pure fan. Try not to think about like production schedules. Like what, can we even do Mandarin's palace? I don't know. Let's not think about it. Let's just figure it out. Uh, again, Atlantis was one of those, like, can we even do that? I don't know. We'll figure out how to do underwater. Um, oh my God, that was such a great part of the game. Yeah. It's like, I know. Yeah. So that's what we tried to do. We just tried to say, Hey, what were the most impactful moments? We weren't sure if we were going to do a sequel, like the way, like I talked about that contract that had been written, we weren't clear if it was like, okay, are we ever going to get another chance at this? Like mm-hmm. they're being so open. Let's include the most important parts of like, again, Galactus, where it's just like, when we wrote down like the biggest names in the Marvel, like Thanos got brought up, believe it or not. Um, Which by the way, he wasn't at the time. I mean, we had the infinity saga in the comics, but it did not have the weight that it does today. Totally. Totally. So that was so funny. You bring that up because it was kind of like, that's where he got bumped down and Galactus got bumped up where it's just kind of like, well, Galactus is a much bigger deal than Thanos, which I know I get it. You know, which nowadays you'd be, people would be like, who's Galactus, that guy with the helmet. No, just wait till he gets into the MCU, of course. But so I know oh, that would be awesome. Um, so yeah, that's really where we started. And then we just started crafting the story. And like I said, we actually, what I loved about making the story for ultimate Alliance was that we really, it was almost like we were going to tell a bad guy story in a sense, like tell their story. And that's where the idea of having those. So in previous games, it was always go on a mission or a mission gets finished and we have a a good guy hero briefing, right? Where it's like, Hey, they're talking back and forth. And that's where this time around, it was like, well, wait a minute, let's have villain briefings. Right. I was like, you know, when I see a movie, some of the best parts are when also suddenly they cut away to the bad guys and there's Magneto talking to Mystique and they're having their kind of like only conversations they could have between other bad guys. We never get to see that. I think of that scene from X2 where Magneto and Mystique are laughing at Rogue and then they look at her and they're like, oh no, we just love what we've, what you've done to your hair. I'm just like, (laughs) (laughs) 
Absolutely, right? Like that's the thing. Some of the bad guys have actually some of they're actually some of the most fun to either write for or just kind of see in a scene. So it was like, let's start with what is the motivation of the bad guys? Let's start there because heroes will always come together in the darkest of times, right? We know that's what heroes do. So what what are the motivations of the of the villains? And let's make sure we're telling it again. That's where we came up with the idea. Like, hey, let's actually have villain basically mission briefings here and there. So that's how the story got started. And Doom was where we ended up is like the, the next big bad. He was the most, I guess we, he was the one we knew would plot something this big and would be the most yeah. underhanded to screw over his own fellow bad guys where there's a certain amount of honesty that Magneto has, if that's the right word, there's, you know, um, he's no, not a bad guy at heart. He's just looking out for the mutant kind. Yeah, no, I, I've said this multiple times. If I was growing up reading comics now, I would totally be on Magneto's side. Magneto wanted to question the system, wanted to burn it down, and wanted to bring equality in a very militant way that I kind of agree with now. And, and Xavier was like, no, go to a school, you know, hide who you really are. And, yes, you know, that's a great point. It's it, so, yeah, Magneto is a morally gray character. So I get why you couldn't have him do something like what Doom would do, which is like dick over everyone. But I, he, of course, Secret Wars would come out like maybe like 15 years later, you know, sequel to Secret Wars. And Doom would do a version of what you guys already did in the game. Yeah, totally. And so that's, it was, yeah, it's actually kind of cool to see that. So, so that's where it started. And it was like, what would be the ultimate thing? And again, I've got that kind of a bit of a passion for this idea of like a bigger changed universe or just something. And it was like, oh man, so Doom got this ultimate power. And that's where the idea of, oh, this power came in. And so that kind of kicked it off really quickly. We had thought of that really quick. And um, when you would ask, hey, what changed throughout? If you go back to the original docs we wrote, um, then we had a five act synopsis. It's nearly every single thing is the same. The only thing that ever got cut is we were going to do the negative zone, mm. um, and do something with vampires and Dormammu and all this other stuff, like somewhere in like act two of the game, we were going to do something before we went to Mephisto's realm. And we had just, I remember during production, we were like, it's kind of like this weird, like, I think it's an antimatter almost kind of like zone. And we were like, well, how are we really going to do that? That seems tricky. Let's um hold that off towards the end. And if there's one area that has to get cut, that's what will get cut. And ultimately that did end up getting cut. It didn't drastically change the story because ultimately it was always about y- using Nightcrawler. Um, that's what we wanted to do is like, you know, uh, you get these different powers that way Mephisto could, you know, do what he needed to do and, and that. So um, the story pretty much stayed from, man, I'd say we got that done about a month, honestly, got wow. about four weeks. That's a tight story though. Like objectively as, as a, like I, I'm a writer myself and looking how that story was crafted and everything, it's a tight story. And you did that in a month. Yeah. Well, for, first of all, thank you very much. That's awesome. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it was, dude, production had to go. We had to, you know, we had to make sure people had their answers and it almost no, somehow. Sure. I, I can, know. I can believe that you were able to draft and get a story done in a month. Let me, let me be very clear. A good story though, <laughs> that feels like it probably went through MIDI. I would have assumed, I would have assumed that it went through many rounds of approval and drafts over the course of a long time. And you did that in a month that 
is mind blowing. Yeah, it's uh, I think I'll say this: the base material is great. Marvel has a ton of great stuff, so for us just to you know pull those pieces together definitely made it easier, especially. We knew we were headed. Doom had the ultimate power. He's going to corrupt the world. And then he's bringing together all these guys and um, the details. And again, with the team and the, everything the team did to make that story come alive, I think is why you and others probably consider it so good. So um, yeah, I appreciate it. But okay. So you, you mentioned Mephisto and Nightcrawler and I have to ask, yeah, you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. You made me choose between Nightcrawler and Gene. Why? Why did you do that? That is 100%. What's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Why? Everyone, yeah, everyone can blame me for that one. That was definitely my call. <laughs> okay, um, so it was you. Yeah, yeah, you got the right guy. Um, I love choices in games. I love choices. <laughs> it's like that's what makes games different than reading a book, different from watching a movie, is the player gets to make a choice. And I personally love those two x-men too it's like those are really strong powerful x-men and i just was like you guys it it wasn't originally in the story it was not so talk about stories changing slightly it was like you know we were partway through production and we were talking about things and i was like and i think there was if i remember correctly rob brought me a comic book at one point and there was mephisto had he had tried to like say, well, no, you have to trade this for that. Like he was, he had offered the life of one person for another. And yep. that was always like, God, what a dick. Um, it's like, what a choice you're giving somebody. It's almost more evil than just not even giving them the choice in the first place. And I was like, well, if that's so evil, why aren't we giving that to the player? Like, <laughs> how awesome is that? Like, if that's such an, if I hate that, let's make him let's make the player have to go through that. And so that's really where that came from. And whoo, let me tell you, there are a lot of discussions about that. Like what? No, pick this person instead, do this instead. And it was just like, um, I was like, no, those are the two. They're popular. It's going to be a very tough choice. And I was like, I bet it's 50, 50. I don't, I don't know who they're going to pick. Although I assumed in my head, I assumed almost everyone would rescue Gene. I just assumed that was the case, but you know, so, you know, I'm a crazy Gene Stan. I, yes. I love Gene Gray, but I picked Nightcrawler because I thought, oh, Gene is a phoenix. She'll just rise again. You know what I mean? Like uh, Nightcrawler would be dead, dead. But Gene, I thought it was a trick. I thought you were tricking us because I was like, no way they're going to make us like choose this. Like Gene will come back and maybe she'll be playable later on. I know you guys had announced her as like an NPC on the website, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But I was like, no, 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 no. They're not going to do that. And no, she stayed dead. Of course, you have the alternate ending where she comes back as Dark Phoenix, which was brilliant. (laughs) But I think I'm glad you ended up making the player think, who do I need to choose between Nightcrawler and Jean? Because not only are they popular characters, but they are regarded as the heart and soul of the X-Men. Like when you think of emotional weight with the X-Men, you have Nightcrawler who is very religious and you have Gene who's always been the heart of the team. So bravo on that. I know. Thank you. And uh, it's funny because I knew playing through like exactly what you said. I was like, everyone's going to be expecting us to be able to save her. And so I was like, let's set up this story. So we're hinting at that. Like, Oh wait, there's a way Mephisto can bring people back if he wants to. And like right towards the end, we even bring her back to help battle. You're like, oh, cool, she's yeah, back. Yeah. And then she has that moment where she's like, no, 
I, I'm not back. I've got only a little bit of power left and I'll help you defeat Mephisto. And you're just kind of like, I mean, cause you're right. Every cartoon you ever watch, everything else, it's always like, okay, but they're going to come back. And I was like, no, this no, is and, legit. Yeah. And, and she sacrificed herself. Yeah. You know, just yeah. like how she did in the Phoenix saga. So again, it was those little nuances that you guys included in the story that just, it, it, it made this game feel that much better like not only is a great gameplay experience but like the guys making it the people making it are are fans and you can tell that the level of tlc that went in there the alternate endings yeah whose idea was that um so i I, i'm an alternate endings guy um and you know and and bob was a fan of the idea as well and that was from day one like in the very first production document i sent activision and they got I, mean, I still have the document where they send feedback. It said, you know, they, they always, they're good. They do what they have to do. They have to recommend like, Hey, we like this. Hey, you should look at this. And some of their suggestions are great, but one of the suggestions was cut, cut the multiple endings and we're never going to be able to do it justice. And people will kill us if we say there's multiple endings. And I had written back and just said, well, no, we're not going to tell anybody there's multiple endings. That's not, I would rather have it not announced because otherwise it can be a bit of a disappointment. Um, if you set yourself up for that. But I, I've been influenced by games, you know, back when I was a kid that had them and it was so powerful to me because it makes it feel like, whoa, the choices I made actually mattered. Not, not to mention, it was just one more way to be totally honest, one more way to get more story in there. Like, I mean, it's like, we can bring up these other little story bits we weren't able to talk about um, or cool storylines. Like you said, the, the whole dark Phoenix thing. It's like, I just loved any opportunity we had where there was optional objectives, multiple endings to like, just tell a little bit more of the this amazing universe Marvel created, let's do it. So yeah, day one, super, super happy with how those turned out. And to Activision's credit, actually, we had made the verse, we had made our own version of the multiple ending movies and I thought they were good. Um, Activision saw it. There were plenty of Marvel fans at Activision. They were like, wait, 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 this is now, we think this is a really cool idea. Let's go spend the money. And we're just gonna, you know, I know it's last minute, but we'll get these touched up a bit. We'll just kind of give a little more flash and oomph to it. So I'm really, really happy they did that. Cause it just, yeah, it just gave it so much better, so much better a feeling. I'll give, I will tell tell you, Bob Love, I was like, how are we going to do these multiple endings? I don't quite get it. I said, this is what I wanted to have happen. And Bob's like, oh, The Watcher, man. It's like yeah, The Watcher can just narrate over. It. It's yeah. like, it's perfect. It's, I'm like, oh, that's an awesome. And he just gave like that voice, gave so much gravitas. And it was like, ooh, this is, this really happened. So um, yeah, I love the multiple endings. Well, I'm glad you mentioned The Watcher's voice because one of my questions is, you had to cast the Marvel universe at a point where there probably wasn't much of a template to work off of. How, how do you go about casting an entire universe? Yeah, uh, man, there was a ton of voiceover files. And again, tons of credit to Bob Love and Rob G and the audio guys at Raven that were just, man, they must've listened to so many different takes and so many different people. And a lot of it, I mean, the 90s X-Men cartoon did a ton of help for any of the X-Men voices. But when it came to Marvel, you said it. It was like, it all had to be how we thought about it in our heads when they came out. And again, looking back on it, I'm not sure other than like, we would all get together in a room and just go through tons of voice files and we split them up going, no, that didn't hit or no, that didn't. Some voices, it is amazing. Sometimes you get a voice you're like, whoa, 
that's it. Like right away, you were just like, oh man, that that's exactly how I always pictured her sounding or whatever it was. Was, so. was there is there a particular actor or character voice that just stood out the second you heard? Man, I'm trying to remember who it was, but there was it was a female character, and oh man, who, who was it? I don't remember if it was Electra or no. Oh yeah, it was it was Miss Marvel. That's right. Because oh, yeah. I was like, we got her voice and um. We had had the, you know, we had her like kind of in the suit. Like when we were listening to the voice, we sometimes would have pictures up that we like iconic pictures for us as we listen to the voice. She was in that black suit with the, you know, the the lightning bolt or whatever it is. And I was like, I always love that version of it. And the voice came up and it was like, oh yeah, that's it. We got to get her right away, man. It was like, yeah, there are just some that happened like that. And uh, it was fun. Deadpool was always great. They did great. Guy did a great job with Deadpool as well. The Captain Marvel voice, Miss Marvel voice, when she upgrades and she's like, marvelous. <laughs> I still say it till That's this awesome. day. That's awesome. I loved it. And I loved the animation with that, with the characters like leveling up. They was yeah. so great. And and Jean did that too. And and some of the other characters in X-Men Legends 1 and 2 had such great lines when they leveled up. And Jean was like, I feel reborn. Yeah. And that was so awesome. I mean, again, it's those little nuances that if you were a stan of this universe, you got it. But how many people do you remember? How many people did you end up having to cast for Ultimate Alliance? Oh, man, I, that must have been like 40 or 50 different because some people would do multiple voices like for the NPCs. So we'd have people doing like, you know, sometimes up to three voices, I think is what they were allowed to do through like their contract or whatever it was. Oh, so I, I want to say it was something like 40 some odd different people that came in to do voice out of I mean, it might've been up to 50, honestly, at that point, because we had over 140 characters in the game. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a ton. I mean, I just can't even get over. And you know what? They were all super great. Just man, voice actors are just some of the coolest people in the world. They're just, they're willing to try again. They're willing to like say some really goofy stuff, but um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I'm glad it, I'm glad it turned out. I don't think there's a single case where we picked somebody and then we ever went, we made the wrong decision. We just, I think because again, when they tried out, they went through a lot of different lines. So we just listened to a lot of different lines and, and Bob did a great job directing them. I'm, I'm trying to count really quickly how many people I'm on the Wikipedia page. Oh, cool. You definitely have well over 40. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you guys cast it a lot. That's absolutely next level. Obviously team did an amazing job. It was like, we look back at it. We think it's great. I think. The only other kind of hiccups there were like weird things that ever happened when we were making is like at the last moment we were told we couldn't have that the the black and white symbiote costume because Sam Raimi wasn't happy about it. And I think it's because I think Spider-Man 3 really? was coming out like a year after yeah. um, Marvel. But then when we said, no, 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 dude, it's locked away. You don't get it. He doesn't start in that outfit. Somehow that made him happy and that got back in. Um, but for the short time that was out, you know, the Tony Stark, the Spider-Man, that cool Stark armor, the golden, whatever red version of, uh, it yeah. just came out in February of that year. And I was like, oh, that's so cool with the arms and stuff. And I wanted to get the arms, but we couldn't for technical reasons. Um, but while the, while the black and white was out, I convinced Marvel because they originally said no. And I was like, dude, Sam took away the black and white. Can't we get the Stark one back in? <laughs> so they were like, okay, fine. You can have it. And then of course, in the end, Sam was like, oh, if it's locked, I don't care. So then we got them both in. So I was really super happy about that. That was awesome. Um, and then we almost lost Ghost Rider, right? No, because of Universal? 
Yeah, because that Nick Cage movie I think was coming out yeah. like a year later or something. And but why would that impact? I don't. Wait, wouldn't know. that just help? That's what we said. But what was weird is how we eventually got him to agree with it. Is that he just wasn't allowed to be used for marketing? Although I believe he's on the cover, like in the lower right corner. Yeah. Anyway. So he ended up there anyways. But it was just like, well, you can't use him in any marketing, no trailers or anything else. And I was like, okay, but well, that's just weird. But good as long as you got him in. So. But like um, that just contributes to the pop culture awareness of a character you're releasing a movie of. I'm not trying to shit on anyone, but I still sure. sometimes am really confused by like weird things like that. Because how is this going to, unless you're telling me they wanted to do a video game, but like, again, like it's just more, more of a, a snowball effect for, yeah, for no, you. I just, <clears throat> I don't know if maybe they thought we were going to handle it really bad or like, it would be like, a, like oh, we know what those, you know, comic book games are like, maybe it's going to suck and somehow hurt our license. So, um, yeah, no, other than that, it was because you guys haven't already proven yourselves with one and two. Like, yeah, well, sorry, I'll tell you that. Now I'm getting vicious here. Marvel was great. It was weird. Even like, um, Kevin Feige, I think, right. That's how you pronounce his last name. I say Feige. Feige. Okay. He was just, he was like, I think like their head of production or something back then. Yeah. Like he had just joined, but it was like, he was at E3. And like, I think I introduced those guys to like, you know, Stan Lee was there and like Tim Miller from Blur was there. And it was just weird to like, look back at that in 2006. And, you know, all these dudes are in the little E3 booth and I'm giving them this demo and to stop and go, well, 15 years from now, Tim Miller's going to be directing Deadpool. That dude's going to be head of the whole Marvel universe. It was just Wait Man, it's weird. It's crazy. So you're telling me Kevin Feige was just chilling at a booth at a Comic Con, and it, it like whoa, yeah. Because again, like now he could never, he could no, never. No, no. It was like yeah, just a bunch of Marvel dudes and Stan Lee came in with them because they were kind of torn. Like, yeah. like you know, they were torn around all the different things, and they're like, hey, this next one, give the demo, a good one. It's the it's the Marvel guys, and then of course Tim, where I think really did want to get introduced to the Marvel guys because he was hoping to make a full length like cg movie yeah um so they were there and i was like this better be a good demo i give right now all these dudes <laughs> in the room but uh no yeah, pressure it's, it's a it's a bizarre time to think back to but i'm just i'm it's great that you guys i mean all the i appreciate all the the kind words you guys have had for us wait what was stanley like he was great he was spry i mean he was like into it he was he was willing to like sign anything. He just thought it was great. He was like, this is fantastic. Like he was, it was the coolest Excelsior. Thing. Oh, he couldn't have been happier. I mean, it was like, that's why we wanted to get him in the game as a playable character so bad. Just at the time, there was something weird about that. I'm not sure. And again, once after we tried to get all the, basically the X-Men guys, the writers in for X-Men Legends 2, we never tried again with Marvel Ultimate Alliance because it just seemed like it was a doomed thing. But Stanley. He, he was blown away, especially by the movies. Like you could tell he was like, whoa, those are my characters yeah. up on the, you know, cause again, the MCU was not, you know, Iron Man hadn't come out yet. So. What, what was Kevin Feige like when he's just chilling at the booth? Did you have like a personal like interaction no, with him? Really, no, I just know he was there. I saw him like they all shook hands with everybody. Like, oh, nice to meet you. And that was it. And then you got like, like hey, what's your name again? Row. Sorry. Thanks. Bye. Yeah. Well, listen, they were all nice. I mean, they're yeah, all just no. chill dudes. So it was, it was nothing more than a handshake. And that was it. And I was just, it's, it's crazy to think back on. So what was, you, you kind of already talked about it, but what was your vision for Ultimate Alliance 2? Because the game does end with another cliffhanger with Galactus 
you know, wanting to come back after, you know, the heroes defeated him. And you mentioned you wanted Wanda to play a role, possibly House of M. What was your, how would have all that fit in, in your vision? Yeah. So I was a huge House of M fan. Um, like huge. Like the fact that Wolverine was the one that was like, yeah, we got to kill her, you know, to like, so that was a huge influence. And as always, I was like, okay, we can't just do a ripoff of a comic book. Cause that's not what people want. They want an original story. So what we had hoped, and of course we had what the Galactus thing was like, okay, he's the most, one of the most powerful beings in the universe. So how can we set this up? And what we wanted to do was just like use Wanda, use the kind of start of house of M where like basically she's starting to again, distort reality. We, I love that part of, like I said, I love that kind of like alternate what if reality thing. And we weren't sure where we were going to go with it yet. But simply like we had written up some synopsis that it was going to be House of M. It ends up with Scarlet Witch and this huge battle between Scarlet Witch, Galactus at the end. And inside her mind, she basically uses her mind. And then that sounds so great. I'm sorry to cut you off. No, no. you're great. And then she pulls, of course, the entire all the Marvel heroes in for this final battle. And they have to convince her. And I was like, I just want a scene where I still wanted the scene where like at the end, we talked about like, does Wolverine still have to like potentially kill her Does like, she knows she like, she's going to sacrifice herself. And that once she's created this reality, the only way to get rid of it is to like kill her. So anyways, we weren't sure where, but that's what we wanted that the only one that could possibly take on Galactus is some kind of reality warping, you know, Wanda and yeah. And just the idea that like all the, all the Avengers, because the point was, is like, we could now with this, with alternate reality, with the story was like, Hey, we can start screwing with stuff. Like she thinks she's containing it. We think we're containing her. We have to actually almost keep her alive because Galactus is coming, but then schisms in reality start happening. So we're going to start pulling in totally weird storylines from all these different, like have characters that like would not normally show up in earth 616 or whatever. I don't know the earth. I'm not, I'm not no, you got that 616. You got okay. it. Okay. Um, pull different timelines basically into it. And it could just, the amount of places we could go like, yeah in our standard kind of act structure, I was like, dude, she could take us anywhere we wanted to go. So that's kind of what, that's where in our heads we would have gone. Just something again, huge and grand where the first one was about doom and him manipulating the earth. We wanted Wanda to be like, no, this is the Marvel universe being ripped apart at its seams. And suddenly like all these different timelines interjecting. And meanwhile, Galactus is this big threat coming. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where, that's where we were headed with it. And, and so what, what was a screeching halt? What happened there? Why Wolverine weren't you working on it two days before, two months before? Well, like that's where we had started. We were like, Hey, let's start writing up the story. Just like we'd always done. Oh yeah. yeah. The summer of the summer of shipping the final game, we started to write up these story ideas and then the opportunity for Wolverine came along and yeah. the talk of honestly, at the time, Activision was not on board with making at the time, like, Hey, we've kind of played this isometric view out. We really want to try something. What if you guys switch engines? What if you guys go to unreal? What if you do something else and we just try doing something that isn't isometric. And so that's where we were like, um, yeah, that's just going to be, that's not going to be our normal 12 month deal though. If we're going to totally change engines. And then the opportunity for Wolverine came along and obviously big Wolverine fan. Um, and it was like, Oh yeah, yeah so, you are. And it was kind of like, wait, we, we want to, if we do a Wolverine game, we want to make it R-rated. You basically act, you know, mature. And they said yes. And they were like, we didn't think they were going to say yes to that, to be totally honest. Um, 
And so it was like, okay, let's do that. And in our heads, to be totally fair, we thought the switch to the engine would be too huge. If we were going to do Marvel Ultimate Alliance 2, and it was going to be like a totally brand new camera, third person, all this other stuff, like that's a huge shift to make. So what we talked about internally, you know, on the team was like, hey, listen, let's take our first steps with this Wolverine game. Um, and after the Wolverine game, you know, we'll have the system set up, we'll have all the all the technology, everything going, we'll know how the camera works. Then let's go ahead and swap out and make, maybe we'll make our X-Men Legends 3 game. And actually, after we did Wolverine, we had started a prototype in Unreal um, of an X-Men Legends 3. Like oh. we, we had, the, the character dudes made this really cool look to the characters in Unreal with like this really comic booky look. It was like, it was a mix between being hand-drawn because they did this thing. They had this really cool idea where like they realized, you know, when pencilers, when they, when they draw shadows, you'll see the hash marks, you know, like where oh, it's, so it's not purely, it's not like perfectly black. It's like, you see, so they made these shadows and the characters look like little hash marks, but yet it didn't look cartoony, but it, yet it looked kind of like this comic book hand-drawn. And I was like, that is tight. So we started messing with, um, we had Iceman flying around. We had Iceman, Deadpool, Wolverine, and I forget, oh, and Storm. <clears throat> um, and so, yeah, we had them moving around this 3D world, and that's as far as it went before we went to uh, other places. Oh, man, that sounds so <laughs> great. I can't believe you're saying this to me now. That was, I, I, I'm thinking of the graphics for Ultimate Spider-Man. Was sure. that... Something sure. like that, where it wasn't, it wasn't cartoony, it was comic booky. Yeah, and it that. was like, yeah, and the, and the look they had gained, it was like, they realized by just having a little more realism in the textures than that, than just the pure straight, you know, colors, it looked more real like you'd expect it to be. But because of that kind of shadowy look, the inky kind of look, it like, it gave it this weird mix of like, oh, it's like it's real, but yet it's got a kind of comic book feel to it. It's pretty cool. And so then what happened Net with with the with the franchise or the contracts did they just expire and that's it there was just no because i mean again i i'm shocked that you guys did not do ultimate alliance 2 yeah so last time i heard so we went on to do wolverine and what yeah. we had heard originally was that that contract for um that kind of special contract i talked about with the marvel action rpg mm-hmm. that that was going to expire um and that no no new games are going to be able to get out. So I was actually kind of surprised once Vicarious, which they did a great job with Ultimate Alliance 2, was able yeah. to, they were able to jump in and do that. But I think it's because they got some kind of extension on that contract. And as long as we got the game out before that contract ended, we're all good. So they were, they were on a pretty tight schedule too. I think it was just kind of like extended a little bit and then get the, get the game out before that contract uh, ends. And so by that point, we were, you know, we were busy on, on Wolverine and, and other projects going on at Raven at that point. Did you play Ultimate Alliance 2? I never did. I <laughs> never did. Honestly, part of me, because I felt regret that yeah. I wasn't able to make it, that we weren't able to make it. And there's a part of me that was a little worried. I was like, man, what if I play it and they fixed a bunch of stuff that we should have fixed? So <laughs> for my own selfish, defensive reasons, I, I ne- I've never played it. I've never to, played Ultimate Alliance 2. To be very clear, it's a very different game. You know, it's a very different approach. And it's fine. I, I appreciate it absolutely for what it is and i remember i was working at a magazine at the time and it came out and we saw it and we're like oh this is so great so but there there is lightning in a bottle with ultimate alliance what i mean that is without a doubt and it's 
for everything we have spent three hours talking about. It's what you guys did. I don't think it, that has been replicated. How about that? Uh, I appreciate that. It's crazy. I, and again, I'll just can bring it back to like, I mean, you've got those guys like Ryan and Simon working on the bosses and you've got these, the Marvel team. Yeah. And they're working on these levels and being like, we want to make a rainbow bridge that does this. And we wanted to make an arcade that has pitfall. And you're just like, you guys are nuts, but that it's a magic of a team that spent a long time making X-Men Legends one and two knew what limitations were, knew what limitations could be pushed and we're passionate, super passionate about the, about the content. And um, yeah, that was an incredibly special team. And so just to be clear, I was able to make a couple of decisions, but it's really the team that made the game. I, I just happened to be lucky enough to get a chance to do the interviews. <laughs> oh man. Well, was it you guys who did the April fool's prank of Aunt May being playable in Ultimate Alliance? No, I don't remember. No, I've never heard of that. Okay. I, don't, I don't think that was us. I, I think maybe it was like GameSpot or something like oh, that. Okay. That they threw in like, a, a yeah, again, this is before the internet was the internet today. Because even like early 2000s, you know. But I'm forgetting if it, like someone was just trolling like an April Fool's thing. And they're like, Aunt May is playable. And they like did cutaway interviews. But it was clearly an April Fool's prank. I mean, the, I'll be completely honest. The, the way like, again, guys like Dan Edwards and Aaron Sanfilippo, they had made these this gameplay fight style system, people could add characters pretty quickly just to get the base thing up and running. It was just what the killer was like, A, making sure all the powers were unique. And the animators did such a beautiful job, like getting each one of the powers to like feel like the characters. But like, it's funny you say Aunt May, but like, I'm pretty sure we did at one point, like I said, we had a Stan Lee that we had just thrown together. Like, it's hilarious. Like even Professor X, like on X-Men Legends 1, I was working on something and I accidentally added his skin with the chair. And I think I saw some pictures of it and he stands up and the chair's just bolted and he's running around and he's throwing off powers and stuff like that. And it's just, the system was so smart. As long as we had the skin for it, you could get, yeah, man, you could just keep throwing characters in there. But it was, the quality again was the writing and the experiences between just having the character there. Otherwise it just sometimes just kind of feels like games come out and they're like, Hey, look, we have 150 skins. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> that's neat but it's like it's getting the character right is probably the better part have you seen all of the fan edits that still exist and are still being done today for ultimate alliance oh no not at no not at all <laughs> do yourself a favor and go on like youtube i'm okay. sure it'll be like a a spiral for you but like dude people update it with like 90s jeans look they they add in these edits like at one point i looked at the game like a, someone who did all these fan edits and i was like this is an entirely different roster like up no there way. it looks good yeah i'll send you some links but like it's you guys people are still talking about the game and you know, it, when we had Ultimate Alliance 3 come out recently as yeah. well, what do, did you get the heads up on that? Did you know it was coming or? No, was, no. We heard about it at the same time everybody else. Somebody around the office was like, hey, dude, they're making Ultimate Alliance 3. And I was like, what do you mean? A game like Ultimate Alliance 3? Like, no, they're literally making it. So uh, we actually felt really honored. We we're just yeah. kind of like happy. We we're like, what? Someone's making it. Like, we're the guys that were like we make Star Trek games because somebody made Star Trek. We make Star Wars because someone else made Star Wars. And again, we didn't make Marvel, but the fact that someone's making an Ultimate Alliance 3, like we kind of were like, 
was the game really that good that they're willing to make a third one like 10 years later or whatever it was? So yes. um, the answer is yes. The game was that good that you created. That's that's pretty cool. So um, no, didn't know we were making it. It was very cool to see. I mean, that's if that name survives, Marvel Ultimate Alliance survives. That's that's pretty crazy. Well, that's why I was thrown off. Like, why can they call it Ultimate Alliance if it originated with your production team? I mean, I'm guessing that's just contract wise the way Marvel yeah. And, and it works there and it's possible maybe you're if, if it's partially owned partially owned by activision it's possible that they gave the blessing um, yeah. i yeah i'm i'm the creative dude luckily and not the business <laughs> thank you so much man well, it seems like a ton of work you seem like you have to do so much work for this <laughs> that is crazy i mean you guys in the podcast in the podcast is great by the way it's like it was a oh, lot of fun listening you guys talk about wanda and all that stuff the wandavision <laughs> stuff it was great i just love when you guys kind of just talk about random stuff, like, like I said, the Toys R Us in the nineties thing and like the flare ultra cards. And I was like, Oh my God, it's like bringing back so many memories. It's hilarious.